0: Well, you know, there what, it'd be a fun game actually. Little, maybe wouldn't it wouldn't be fun. Nah, I think it would be fun. What are like top five things really let's top three things like that people's like skin crawl when you talk about it in church. Like, like like as if it's like Family Feud, you remember Family Feud? Top ten things on number one politics, I was gonna say is probably the first one. I don't know, maybe it's money. I've seen more people leave churches Really? I, I, I well I could believe that. I could believe a lot of things. But yeah, I'm thinking like what? Money, politics, sex. Top, top three? Probably? Yeah. Well, what's funny here is, you know, um, I'm a public school teacher. I know those of you that attend, you hear me say this like every other week, but for the guests, um, like sex, politics is taught in public school. 100%. Money, they're still not talking about, because I teach economics. I wouldn't teach the sex thing. No, I'm social studies certified, not health education, praise the Lord. So I teach about money, but even money is a very sensitive one. How do you receive money? How do you use money? What's appropriate use of money, right? Taxes and taxation, all that kind of stuff. But here's the thing, man. You know, if it's not taught at home, it will be taught at school. And if it's not taught from the pulpit, it may actually not be taught at home. Fathers, mothers, church begins in the home, amen? Begins in the home, we got to teach our kids, we got to have conversations with our spouses about all of these things, because um, if we don't, surely the world will, I'm telling you on the ground floor, and when the world is teaching about those three subjects, particularly the two out of three, is not really from a biblical worldview, right? So we gotta, we got we to gotta teach it from the pulpit, all right? So uh, next week, I don't know any volunteers who wants to teach on biblical concepts of sexuality. Would anyone like to you know, teach that, like how to treat your wife, how to treat your husband, things like that? Anyone want to get into that? You know, love, love your, love your, love your, love your wife as yourself, which everyone loves that one. Yeah. that's. Yeah, I'd say, look, it's a, it's a sensitive one. Like even like, I've joked around. I've gotten like looks. Is like. Well, you know, everyone loves the one on like, you know, love your wife as Christ loves the church. I mean, everyone loves that one, right? Who doesn't love that one? And wives. Submit to your husbands. That one doesn't work well, right? Oh, obviously, right? We have to unpack that what, what is true biblical submission look like. I know all of that. I'm like I'm making a joke here, right? So I'm not like saying like my wife needs to, like, you know, iron my clothes and and do. All I, no, I'm not saying that at all. I'm making a joke. But, but yeah, <laughs> what's that? But you I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pretty, pretty, pretty German cultured. So like, I like, me. You know, I like, I like to do it. Cause then I, you know, I, you know, whatever. You're gonna get me in trouble. Where? <laughs> anyway you say that, right? I can get in trouble. No, I want to do it. No, you know you got man. Ah, the Italians are ganging up on me before me even knowing it. How do we get out of this? Romans six. That's how we get at it. Romans six. All right. Oh. Lord, all, all joking aside, right? We wanna, we wanna do things in... In obedience to, and we we want to love, but we also want to submit, Lord. We want to lead, but we also want to serve. Amen. And Lord, as things are getting crazier and crazier on planet Earth, Father, we pray that you give us the gumption, right? The gumption that that inner strength to be a light in the darkness, to be a light. To our loved ones, be a light to our families, to be a light to our children for those who have. Romans 6, 15. Or actually, let's start in 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, but you are not under law but under grace. Alan Kirkpatrick loves this section of scripture, right? Well, let's read this again. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you, are not under law, but under grace. I, I, that's a beautiful verse. I do think that uh, a large part of the church, historically speaking, has taken this a little out of uh, a little bit out of context. This is, where, this is where some churches go into a place of like cheap grace teachings, right? You know, you just just continue sinning. It's okay. Jesus loves you. Grace, grace, grace. And that is that is true. But what's funny here is the context. Paul is actually addressing that two thousand years ago in the very next verse. Well, like so. Verse 14, the modern vernacular in the church world. Oh, you know, is there such thing as cheap grace? Verse 15, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. Get it, right? It's very powerful, right? Yes, there is grace. That was not there underneath the old, Older Covenant, although there was grace underneath the Older Covenant. It's a Jewish perspective, by the way, right? That would be a cool teaching. Right? A lot, a lot of grace in the Older Testament. But when there is sin, right? There is grace, but we shall not continue, and this is when Paul is really becoming like a papa, really becoming like a dad, maybe even like a little bit of a drill sergeant, which I think some of us need. Don't worry, I won't be that person today. I'll try trying not to. Do, do you know that to whom you present yourselves, slaves to obey, you are the one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness, okay? So what I want you guys to get you are going to break down the scripture verse a little bit. So the rest of today makes sense. We are all slaves to something. Human conditioning it's a human reality. You have a choice. You always have a choice what to be a slave to. Slave to sin or slave to righteousness. You either put on the chains of sin or you put on the chains of obedience and righteousness of Christ. Here's the thing. It's a game changer. This is a game changer for you. If you adopt this American mentality that you are not a slave to anything, you are now a slave to something, probably sin. You have to, have to bind yourself to something. There's no such thing as freedom in the spirit, right? You are either a slave to sin or you're a slave unto righteousness, okay? I mean, the the wording here is very, very overt. It's very powerful, right? Right? Whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. Is Paul kind of saying, like, I would like to tell you more about this subject, but it's a little much for some of us to grasp. For just as you present, I love this, I love this. This is this, if this doesn't sting, I don't know what will. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness and holiness. So it's pretty much saying like, yeah, when you were lost, you were not born again, all of you, all of us were really really wonderfully, quote-unquote, obedient to the chains of sin. And he's like, you did, that, or you did a really good job at that. Now that you've been born again, now you can take that same energy, and you now can be really, really good at being a slave to righteousness. You can do it. It's really funny. It's like, hey, when you were a sinner, you were like a really, really good sinner. You're really good at your job. So you got it in you, Rome. I mean, of all places that were sinning like it was going out of style, it's Rome, right? Rome, you did really, really well at sinning. I know I got it in you. Let's just spin it. Let's, you know, let's, let's, just, let's just, you know, change the phrase. And All right, now, now you guys, since you're so good at sinning, I know you got the ability to, to do that well. So you should ha- be able to have the ability to be righteous well. Now, it's not in your own powers because you have been born again. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. (laughs) What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin, having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a beautiful picture here, right? Look, man, this is, I mean, every week when I'm presenting... This, I have to deal with a whole slew of things, guys. Like, I have to come to the Lord and be like, oh, I have to deal with this stuff first. Not that I'm completely dealing with it, but I'm working on it, right? But look, if you have been set free from sin, you should be a slave of God. Your fruit of your life should be holiness. So this beckons an equation. A plus B equals C. If you have no C, then A or B is off. What do I mean by this? It's this. Have you been set free because you are born again? Imagine most of you, if not all of you, would say yes. Okay. Do I see righteousness in my life? Full righteousness. Well, no. Okay. There's something missing. The second part of the equation. What's the second part of the equation? Have you made yourself a slave to God or slave to Christ? A plus B equals C, if you remember from math class, right? If you don't have C, either A or B is off. You can't have the B without the A, right? You need to be born again in order to be a slave of God, right? A bondservant of Christ. Not really necessarily a common teaching anymore, because at one point we went so far away, right? We were just all fire and brimstone, right? But, you know, this uh, this sermon series that we're on, Memorial Stones, um, the, the last week was uh, dealing with the ideal good, right? What is the ideal good, the logos of the Lord? And uh, this week I want to talk about authority, okay? And it is connected clearly with this. Um, but before we build the connection, um, let's do a little backstory here, right? Authority. There's two questions to ask when we're dealing with, with anything, but particularly this word right here authority, right? Uh, question number one um, What is authority? Right, like, what is it actually like when we're talking about the authority that we have as born again believers in Jesus? Okay, authority. What does authority even mean? Right. So here, here's the lovely uh, definition. Although this keyboard's got a little problem with it. Josh, you mind just going forward for me? Oh, there it is. Uh, it's connected now. I think we're good. Raise the name. All right, we're good. Yeah, authority, right? Authority defined as the power or right to give orders, make decisions, and enforce obedience. Right? This is the definition, at least in English. Right? The power or right to give orders, make decisions, and enforce obedience. Key here, there's a right, there's a decision process, and then there's an enforcement. You have a right, you have to make a decision, then you enforce it. Everyone get this, right? You have a right, then you have to make a decision, then you enforce it. You have a right, you make a decision, then you enforce it. That's what it means to have authority. Okay? Okay. Well, there's also another question that is associated with this. What is authority? A right, a decision, and then enforcement. The second piece here is, okay, what what is authority not? What is authority not? This is very, very important, being a believer, okay? Authority is not coercion. Authority is not manipulation. Authority is not strong arming. That is the way in which the Gentiles shall work, Jesus says, right? The Gentiles work this way, but you are Jews, right? Wh- whom He's talking to, and we get adopted into the seed of Abraham. How are we supposed to operate from the teachings of God the Father, right? We do not force, we do not manipulate, we serve. We wash each other's feet. We lead by example, right? We take the lead, we go in the front, right? This is, you know, what, what the, it means to be the mark of a believer. So it's very important, right? Because we as believers, whether you know it or not, we are supposed to be walking in a tremendous amount of authority. And with that tremendous amount of authority... We need to make sure that we're not using the authority in the wrong way to coerce, to manipulate, to try to get our own kingdoms met, our own desires met. Anyone ever been in a church like that, where they do that? Oh, you guys have been in good churches. then. Okay, cool. I've been in places where it's a lot of that. I've interacted with ministers and church people who are like, they use their power, they use their name, they use their ring, the man of God, to get what they want, right? That is demonic not from the kingdom. And so, you know, look, in our circles, at least the church church that we're in here, in a lot of our circles, there's been a lot of teachings on a certain type of authority, which might be next week, or actually next week is Father's Day, so maybe in two weeks. Look, the the jam is what kind of authority do you have as a believer, as a son and daughter of God, right? You have the authority, which is absolutely 110% true, to lay hands on the sick and see them healed, Right? You have the authority to cast out devils, to cast out demons. We have that authority according to the words in red, according to the actual words of Jesus. We have that authority, absolutely. But I think that what the Lord is is putting on my heart for today is, is coming out of Matthew 12. Is Look, that's where a lot of attention is on the church right now. Last several years, that's like where like, so much of attention is on. And that's great, and that's wonderful, but there is so much more to understanding authority. And it's really dealing with, okay, what about the authority over Romans 6? The authority over sin. Right? So many of us in our little jam and our rhetoric and our narrative is like, you know, laying hands on the sick, I have the authority for this, I have authority for that, I have authority for that. But then I look at your life and you have a bunch of sin in your life. It's like, whoa, 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 how about we take a step back? Before we start laying our hands on the sick and seeing people healed, or we start like praying for people that are dead and seeing them raise again, maybe we actually need to take a little step back for a little bit and say, how about the authority you have as a believer to no longer sin? Why like, would well, I see people raised from the dead? I'm going to be honest, man. There's only a couple of people that I know from the Bible that raised people from the dead, and they were kind of like almost perfectly sinless. Actually, one was absolutely sinless, right? It was Jesus? You want to see the authority of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life? We need to take a step back and say, I need to have the authority first and understand the authority to go against the wages of sin. But the Lord was speaking to me, Matthew chapter 12, verse 22, I mean we, we all know this. actually, you know, um, 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 Jose was, it was tapping into little during of an offering. Then one was brought to him, this is Matthew chapter 12, verse 22. Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he, Jesus healed him, so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, "Could this be the Son of David?" Now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except for Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. But Jesus knew their thoughts. I love love this. There's so much love about Jesus, but even from a pedagogical and and a teaching kind of function, right? He always uses opportunities to use that as a stepping stone to teach about something that you would not necessarily associate with. So at the end of this, the beginning of this, he's casting out a demon. At the end of it, he's talking to you about money. It's like, how did we get from demons and being mute, not being able to, not being able to speak, and now somehow we got to money? Like, he, whoo, he gets there. It's very, very rabbinical. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom. Okay? It's very important. Every. Not one kingdom. Not the kingdom of money. Uh, not, not the kingdom of the demonic. Every kingdom. There's a lot of kingdoms on earth. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will this kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. Okay? But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds a strong man and then he will plunder the house? Right. So what we have here, right, is this notion of, right, you you have kingdoms and kingdoms are, can be divided. And that's not just the kingdom of money. That's not just the kingdom of demonic. It is a kingdom. Essentially, I want to use this as as like you, your person, your life. Your life is a type of kingdom. Right. Uh, And you can't have your kingdom divided. It will not stand. It will fall one way or the other. Now, what does this mean? How am I relating this to Romans 6? Right? You're split. You continue to serve one master, sin. You're eventually going to fall apart. And you slowly start to do more and more sinning, right? If you make the world and that concept your chain, that's where you're going. That's your trajectory. Right? So where you see people, right, they're all fire for the Lord. uh, And they got a little bit of sin in their life. And then a little bit of sin grows a little bit, right? It's the leaven. Just because you're saved doesn't mean you don't let that leaven grow in there a little bit. Right? There are people that have a little bit of sin. They cave to that little bit of sin. So then a couple weeks later, come months later, they're sinning a little bit more. A couple years later, you're like, who is this person? What happened to them? This is a spiritual principle. You cannot be a slave to one. This is what Jesus is saying. Sorry, you can't be a slave to both. You have to pick your master. You can be a slave to sin. You're a slave to righteousness of Jesus. I'm telling you right now, I've seen it happen over and over and over again. It starts small, slowly it grows, slowly it grows, then someone leaves the church, you're like, what happened to them? You gotta pick. So looking at this, right? Dealing with authority. Um you cannot have full authority over the demonic if you do not have authority over your own fleshly nature. Okay? Now, why am I doing this? For some of, for some of you that, that, you know, you know, right? There's, there's been a lot of talk, and there's a lot of emphasis, and I, I'm not saying there shouldn't be. We definitely should be casting out demons. 100%. But there's been so much teaching on that. But I'm telling you, like, we're not going to have the authority that Jesus had. We're not going to have the authority that the apostles have. If we don't first have authority over our own fleshly nature. Look, Acts chapter 19, verse 15, it says, And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Right? Here is someone, and and I know the context, people, I know it's a priest, and the priest is using the name of Jesus in order to elicit a certain response, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but let's listen to the lingo. A priest that uses the name of Jesus to elicit a response. You don't think that's in the church anywhere? (laughs) Right? There's a lot of priests that use the name of Jesus to elicit a response in the spirit. And the spirit, the demon, responds. Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And the guy, the priest, gets his butt kicked by the demon. The demon actually beats him up. He's got no authority. Now why, Jesus I know, I get that one, Paul I know. How is it that Jesus is ca- casting out demons with no problem? How is it that Paul is casting out demons with no problem? How is it the apostles are doing without any problem? Because what do we hear from, from Jesus? What do we hear from Paul? It's all about the authority that they have that they no longer are walking in the fleshly nature. Paul himself is saying, I am dead to sin. I'm a bond servant of Christ. I want to know his death. I want to know his resurrection. I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings, right? It's like, man, when you have a narrative and you have a belief system like that, dare I say you have the authority, the right. You understand the right, Paul. You've made a decision, Paul. Now you can enforce the authority. You need and we need to make a couple steps here. One, you need to understand your right as a believer that you have authority over all things, over all things under heaven. Two, you need to make a decision before you go praying for people and killing people from demons and stuff, that you have the authority to no longer live a life surrendered to sin. Like, this is stuff that should get, like, people pumped up. Like, casting out demons gets people pumped up. Come on, I'm telling you that we have the authority and we have a call to no longer live a life chained to any sin. That's the freedom that Jesus is talking about. It's not the freedom to sin without judgment. It's so much bigger than that. Jesus has come to say that you can live a life free, period, from, period, sin, period. Like, no longer being a slave to that. But we need to make a decision. And then you've got to enforce that decision. So when sin comes, you say, that's not me anymore. I don't have that chain anymore. I've been bound to righteousness with Christ. Yes, come on. You have to understand your right as a believer. These are greater than the Bill of Rights. This is greater than human rights. This is a spiritual right because you have been born again by the blood of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Ghost, and sealed to the day of deliverance. And now we have to make the decision. Ah, That's the hard part. i got to make the decision to no longer live according to the rules of the old Adam. Now you're in the mind. Now you're in the mind. Your spirit's been set free. Your spirit's like, why are we still sitting? Because your mind is like, because I'm supposed to. No, see, the right, the enforcement, in between that is the decision-making process. Uh, this is a little joke. And I don't mean to prop myself up. Alan can tell you, for years we've been talking, because we've been following this podcast guy, about waking up at 4.30 in the morning. Wake up at 4.30 in the morning, submit to the you know, submit to flesh, get up, get up before the enemy, right? Alan, Alan's laughing, right? And for years, we're talking about, like, I want to get up at 4.30, I want to get up at 4.30. And I just could not get up at 4.30 in the morning. I just couldn't. I'm not telling you to get up at 4.30. I'm not. But this is something that we wanted to do, or I wanted to do. And Alan was pretty good at it. I don't know how you're at with it, but I really wanted to do it, right? I just couldn't do it. That's a lie. It's not that I couldn't do it. It's that I wouldn't do it. Because right now we live further away. In order for me to get to work on time, guess what time I have to wake up? I have to wake up at four thirty. You, you see what I'm saying here? It's 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 no longer a decision. If I want to keep my job, I got to wake up at four thirty in the morning. So now I'm waking up at four thirty in the morning. I'm like, oh my goodness! Like for years I was trying to wake up at four thirty in the morning. I couldn't do it. You know, it's not that you couldn't; you you wouldn't. But now that you have to, you do. And same thing, living a life free of sin. I can't do it. Yes, you can. Of course you can. You have Jesus. I'm not, look, I, you can talk to my wife, I sin, right? But I'm adopting a mindset. I, I, I don't want to cave to sin. I, I'm working on it, right? It's not like, hey, I'm the man of God that doesn't do that. I mean, you talk to my friends, you talk to my kids, you talk to my wife. But Dave is not always like, you know, the preacher Dave. Like, we, we, we do have a, a human ailment. But the promise, the promise is that it doesn't have to be that way. That's good. Okay? All right, now here's the other part, hard part. You cannot have authority over the self if you don't understand your right to authority. Right? You have to understand this. Guys, this is like amazing stuff. If we read the entire of the Bible, like, dude, do you understand that like, that friend of yours that like drives you nuts because they're such a gossiper or whatever if they're born again by the spirit of god they're going to be judging nations like according to the book of revelation and also other places like you and i are going to have the power to be judging over people groups in the age to come right so i mean this is like like god is not like you can do it he's saying you will be doing it right You're going to be doing it. We have clearly power, excuse me, and authority, but we have to understand that right, right? We're called to judge over nations one day. We have power over the demonic. I mean, take a look at Luke chapter 10, for those of you that is like your wheelhouse, right? Luke 10, verse 19, behold, I've, you know, for those people out there that aren't, you know, aren't believing in the Holy Ghost kind of stuff, man, come on, this is amazing. Verse 18, Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He says, behold, I give you. I give you, my Father's. I give you. Not, not God has just given me. I give you the authority. I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. I mean, there's so much we could say about this. I, you, have, you have the right. You have to make the decision. Behold, I've given you the authority to trample on COVID, I've given you the authority to trample over cancer, I've given you the authority to trample over everything. Like... It's, it's, it's serpents is, is because that's a poison, right? That's a venomous thing. It's like, okay, it says it there, but now do we make the decision to enforce it and believe it and understand that right? Right? You have the authority not just over a venomous snake. You or have the authority over every single vile thing that the enemy is trying to throw at you. And it's not just like you're going to war, or if there's a disease, or it is. This is the hard part. It's that's the stuff that gets out of all the troops all, yeah, right. But you have the power and authority to say to that whispering carnal man or woman inside of you that says, "I no longer listen to the wages of sin. I have a new master." That's what the church really needs right now. Not just the Psalm 91, right? You know, but, but this, come on, man. Like, you, you have the authority to say to sin, I don't serve you no more, right? Why? Come on, man. Colossians 2.15. Where are you? Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them tri- triumphing over them in it, right? This is, this is Jesus on the cross, right? He made a public spectacle Of every demonic and every spiritual thing that is sinful. He made an absolute mockery. He didn't just defeat it. He made fun of it. And now he's saying you have the authority to do the same. But we have to understand that you have what? You have the right. It's a very important first step. A lot of people don't believe they have the right. Whether it's a venomous snake, or it's a disease, or it's a sin. I mean, how many times I've heard people say, like, well, you know, God just made me a sinner, and I'm just going to continue to sin. I understand where your narrative is coming from. It's like, can we actually ever reach the perfection of Jesus? Well, the Scripture says yes, right? We're going to be transformed from glory to glory until we see him face-to-face with Christ Jesus, right? Like, the whole purpose of the transformation. So, uh, (laughs) the goal is to be like Jesus, but I hear that a lot. Anyone ever hear people say that when you get in a conversation? are like, oh, no, no. we got to get rid of that myth right there. You have the power and authority to no longer to be chained to slaves of sin. I am dead to sin, raised up in Christ Jesus. Right? Amen? The missing place and the missing piece to all of this is this, right? Because we like to talk about the external, but the internal. Um, we have an authority from Jesus and a promise from Jesus to have authority over us living a life in the carnal way, right? We have that promise, right? And, you know, built into this, you know, is, is, is some of the, the elements of the fruits of the Spirit. Like, we have authority to be transformed and take that transformation with us. You ever been in an environment where things are really funky? And you walk into the room and the presence that's on you changes it, right? Changes atmospheres, changes presence. So an authority and a promise to have authority over the living in the carnal world and the carnal life, but also that we have an impact on the atmosphere, right? We uh, We can bring peace to a stressful situation. You could bring love into a place of anger. You could bring calmness into the boat, as Jesus did. And it's a wonderful, wonderful story. I mean, Jesus is in the bottom of the boat, and you guys ever notice this, but like, Jesus is not like waking up. I I love this portion of the story. I mean, the disciples are freaking out, Jesus is still asleep. It's like, I mean, it's it's weird. I'm not making theology out of it. Like, if everything around us is going so crazy, it's almost like Jesus' default mechanism is just to reside in peace and be like, well... I see my friends freaking out. So now I'll, stop, I'll calm the waves for them because they're freaking out. Can you imagine this? Like our default mechanism is before we even start praying problems away, our first default mechanism is you're still residing in the place of the boat because you have such peace, because you have such a mentality of I'm no longer ruled by sin and the things of the world. To rise over the circumstances. That's how Jesus, Jesus' first default mechanism was not to pray away the problem. It was just like, I'm chilling with my father. I'm sleeping. You woke me up. You guys are scared? Okay, I'll do this for you. Right? I mean, think about that. To understand your authority in so much you're just, you're just walking. I remember, you know, living in Israel. People were like, you're, like, I lived during like all these suicide bombings. and All these things were going on. People were like, aren't you like so crazy? Like, isn't are, it crazy to be there? Aren't you scared? It's like... How can you be scared when you're doing what the Lord has told you to do? Like, it was amazing. Like, you just walk in and crazy things are going off. And you're just like, but I'm in the boat. And I'm doing what he told me to do. So what else is there to worry about? Right? Look, uh, dominion and authority. Adam and Eve were given dominion and authority over all creation. Okay? We as sons and daughters have authority in the Spirit. But I feel like the Lord is just saying here, you know, we may not be seeing the authority. We may not be seeing the authority in our lives uh, because we have actually given up some authority to another. Okay, I want to say this again. We may not be seeing the authority and true biblical authority in our lives because we have given through a choice we have given up the authority to another okay because if you don't use your authority it's a power vacuum someone else is going to come in and take that authority right and people will be like yeah that's the devil yeah in some cases it is the devil i know that may not be this may not be the typical preacher stance here but you know what like i don't know if it's always the devil seriously like, am I that important on planet Earth that the devil, who is not all-knowing, by the way, and is not all-powerful, is that disturbed by my actions that he comes to me? With all due respect, you know, I don't know if I'm really on the devil's radar. He's one man, not even a man. I'm talking. He's one fallen angel. Can can we like we gotta remind ourselves this? He is not God. He is not all knowing. He is not all powerful. So I I would believe that the the, the enemy, the devil, can probably only be in one place at one time. I don't think he's coming to my house. Now, fine. He's got principalities. He's got demonic beings that govern areas. I get that. But there's so much like, well, I'm going through this because of the devil. Look, it could be, and it could be a demonic presence, and it could be a demonic force. I I agree with you with that. But I'm telling you right now that in order for us to really understand this is that there is a more gentle and convincing enemy. There is a more gentle and convincing enemy that resides inside of sons, or rather in some men and women. This is where people don't want to go. Everything's the devil. No, no, no. Some things are but there, this is what makes it so complicated, and this is what makes it so coy, is that since the fall of Adam, we have a more gentle and convincing enemy than even the devil. That more convincing enemy, a more gentle enemy that resides inside of many men and women is the self, the ego. Yourself. Pumping up of yourself or the puffing up of the self, the ego portion of your humanity is probably in the driver's seat and is leading to places of sin. Not so much that a devil made me do it. You got stress in your life? You're a stressful person? You're going through a stressful time? Is that a demon? Or is your ego being raised up so high that you're trying to gain control of your environment? Where Jesus is saying, look, you're supposed to say no to the ego. Look, come on, you have fear in your life? You think it's a demon? Maybe. Why do you have so much fear and anxiety in your life? Because you have such a heightened sense of ego and self-preservation that you're trying to control the scenario, trying to control the situation. You're trying to be the Lord and the God over the experience and the atmosphere. Bitterness, rage, anger, lust, greed, gossip. It's time for the church to regain the understanding of the right. You have to make a decision. I say no to myself, I say no to the ego. I am a slave to Christ. To fulfill the ego and the self, let's take a look at this at James. James chapter 3, and we're, we'll be closing up. All right, so... Uh, yeah, if you can come on down, please. No, I was, I was commenting on something else. I could, jo- I could joke with I'll joke with you later about it. All right, did that make sense? That last part right there? Like like New Age and and Eastern religion has co-opted and has taken over, right? There's all these teachings about like saying no to the self and saying no to the ego. But it's a biblical principle, okay? Like we have the right, we have the authority. We need to enforce, we need to make a decision that we can say no to the self. But that is tremendously difficult. That's why it's so convincing, so gentle. Because you're saying no to yourself. Like saying no to yourself is hard because your self is telling you to do it. So now you've got to tell yourself by yourself that you're not going to do it. That's really hard to do. It's called self-discipline, yes. But more so it's called being transformed and sanctified in the image of Christ. Right? It's being empowered by him and saying, I know my mind is saying this, but your word says and you said that I no longer have to. You've got to get in there. It's making a decision. So, before you start thinking about the authority that you have to lay hands on the sick, why don't you get authority to kick yourself out of yourself? Right? Don't worry about kicking the demon out of someone. Kick yourself out of yourself. That's a t shirt, right? You gotta kick your, yeah, I like that. You gotta kick the self out of yourself. Pray yourself out of yourself, right? It's Jesus. I don't know, yeah, just play a little, nothing too jazzy though. Just, you know, just. Come well, let's, let's, let's the, the great men of faith, James chapter 3, I mean, this is, this is beautiful stuff, I mean, I remember reading this first time, I remember when I was like freshman in college, when I would read through the Bible all by myself for the first time in my life, when I got to James, and I got to this verse, I remember just being like, oh, oh, on my dorm bed, just like, oh, my Lord, James 3, so funny, my students at school are like, were you a partier in college, I'm like, bro, I was like reading the Bible, they're like, so great they asked me a direct question I'm allowed to respond James chapter 3 verse 14 man actually let's go to 13 who is wise in understanding among you let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom so we're gonna talk about the meekness of wisdom but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts do not boast and lie against the truth it's amazing if you have self-seeking, right, it's, if it's about the self, don't lie. It's like, tell the truth. You got a little self-seeking inside. Well, this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. What is? Self-seeking. What your self wants is demonic. You hear this? We need to hear this in the church, especially in the Western church. Self-seeking is demonic. The ego is demonic. What you want to do just for you, right? Obviously, I know there's balance right there do things to bring joy to your life but you get what I'm saying right serving the self serving the mind of what the self says says it's demonic for where envy and self-seeking exists confusion and every evil thing are there I am telling you that a lot of the emotions and the feelings that you have in life the struggles that you're going through I'm telling you nine times out of ten I bet we can take a look and say look is there any envy in your life is there any self-seeking in your life is that why you're confused is that why you're angry? Is that why you're nervous? Is that why you're anxious and depressed? Obviously, some things are more uh, 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 um, difficult to navigate than that. But I'm telling you, eight times out of ten, nine times out of ten, you may just be seeking the self. Seeking what you want and what you think to have control over the environment. Where Jesus is saying, look, that's demonic. It's demonic. It's from the hordes of hell. You don't we, being a born again believer, we're no longer seeking our own kingdom. We're no longer seeking our own selves. The self is supposed to be dead, dead, like not coming back, not even whispering to you, dead, under the ground, six feet dead, cold, dead. That's when you have the power to lay on top of a dead man and breathe life into him like the prophets. Right? This is when you have the power and the authority that Jesus has called us to. It only comes when we rid ourselves from the self. For our, where envy and self-seeking this confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield full of mercy and good fruits without partiality, without hypocrisy now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace now James is going to be a pastor read this in chapter 4 you understand there are no chapters right, in letters this is a continuing thought This this is where James, the church needs to hear this this church needs to hear this Where do wars and fights come from among you? He's directing to a church. Why are you angry with one another? Why are you bickering with one another? Why are you in trouble with one another? Do they not come? This is a rhetorical question. Do they not come from your desires for pleasure? That war in your own members? Woo! Church, family, Greenockle family, Diaz family, Kirkpatrick family, any family, right? Why is there bickering? Why is there fight? Why is there anxiety? Why is there all this stuff? Is it not maybe, just maybe, because you have a pleasure for yourself? That's what James is saying! All of the bickering, all the gossip, all the anger, all the sin, all the mess, all because you're trying to self-seek your own pleasure. So how about we just get rid of that, and be a slave to Christ, and everything's going to be cool. You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss, because that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Man, I know we're getting a little long here, maybe. I don't even know what time it is, but listen to this. James is just saying, you do not get an answer from your prayer. You are praying things that are of the self. That's what he just said here, right? Right? You ask and do not receive, why? Because you want what you're gonna get and you're gonna spend it, whether it's money or energy or prestige, on your own self. That's why your prayers are not answered. Do you see how dangerous the self is? Jesus, who petitions to the Father, will be petitioning to withhold blessings upon you because you wanna use those blessings on the self instead of the kingdom. That's just not monetarily. That's everything. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity? Like, can you imagine if I'd be kicked out? I'd be like, no longer pastor. I got up here and told you, adulterers and adulteresses. Being a little too hard, Dave, aren't you? James is saying, you are adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? God. That's saying you're actually having sex with another married person but you are in the spirit you're married to christ and you're also married to the world you adulterous and adulterous generation if i say that you're not gonna like my message james says you're like what i don't know look this is what we're talking about. it is enmity it is against god to seek your own sinful vices and pleasures, and it produces bitterness and anger and fear and anxiety and depression. And Jesus is saying, and Paul is saying, and James is saying, you can get rid of all of that. You understand your rights, the authority that you have as a believer, and now you make a decision. I will not be a slave to that thing. Amen, brother. But if you're free, a chain is going to come and get you. So you quickly have to run to the other side of the aisle and say, Jesus, I need you to enslave me to you. That's just like, I got born again. No, 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 no. I need you to get rid of myself. And when the self comes to me, I'm saying, nope, that's not me anymore. I'm coming to Jesus. When the self starts to want you to be pleased, you say, well, that's not me anymore. I'm chained to Jesus. you got to train the mind to make the decision. You cannot get free from something if you are the one who attached the chains, guys. You can't get free from yourself. You can't. You're the one who put the chains on. And you're the ones that threw the keys away. It's called your sinful nature as being a son and daughter of Adam. Yeah, come on. Anyone ever try to get free from something you can't get free? Oh, okay, I'm the only one. Okay, I'm the only one. Cool, I'm the only one. All right. It's a spiritual principle. You will never get free. You'll never get free. I'm telling you you will never get free from the chains that you have put on yourself you won't so the only logical conclusion is either continue to live in sin or kill the self die not physically spiritually those are your options continue the life of sin Die to the self. I am no longer my own man. I'm a slave to Christ. The words and the thoughts come to you. You're going to have to learn to say no. Because no one can serve two masters for either he will have the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one. Despise the other so as Jesus taught, you have the power and the right, but you need to make the decision. You need to make it now. Why don't we stand? Authority. The authority of a believer. The authority of a son. The authority of a daughter is more than just trampling on serpents. Saying no to the self, saying no to the ego. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law but under grace. So, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Certainly not. Contrary, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey? You are the one slaves whom you obey. You are either a slave unto sin, or you're a slave unto obedience to righteousness. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But now, having been set free from sin, having become slaves of God, you have fruit. And that fruit is holiness. And the end of that holiness is everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, I pray right now that we as a church would come into a place that we would understand our right as a believer. Lord, that we would begin to make the decision that we will enforce our our spiritual man, not our carnal man. Father, I pray for the people who have been struggling with sins, have been struggling with fear and anxiety and lusts. Lord, Lord, all of the things that you know about. I believe the Lord is just saying that there's an opportunity right now for you to get free. Freedom, Jay. Maybe we could just sing that out over people a little for a little bit. I feel like the Lord, you know, he, 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 at the end of worship, we were in this environment of holiness. I feel like the Lord really wants to bring freedom, but I'm telling you right now, people, it's it's not going to be a freedom where you just get prayed for right now and it goes away. Maybe, but I, I think it's really going to be like, nope, nope. I want you to develop the character to be able to transform and train your mind. When that sinful nature of fear comes upon you, you look at it and say, That's not me. I'm a slave to Jesus, I'm a slave to obedience, I'm a slave to righteousness. That's who I am, that is who you are. That is who I am. That is who you are. Come on. I'm, if we have an altar team this week, if, you, if, if, if that's you, if you come on down, I'm going to open up the altar here as, as Jamie just sings over us. It's time to get free. It's time to get free. Have a wonderful week. We're going to remain here for those that want to remain. Be a slave, slave of righteous obedience. Let us understand the right. Let us make the right decisions. The decision. Let's enforce it. Enforce it. Go let that authority spring over the believer again. Come on. Come on you are destined no longer to be beholden to sin that is the words of christ come on brother come on sister be set free and then quickly be drawn to the chains of love of jesus come on be set free take on willingly the chains of christ what he says about you Come on, we say no to the gentle whispers of the self. We say no to the gentle whispers of the self. No, that's not me anymore. That's not me. That's not who I am. That's not who my father says I am. Come on, come on. You gotta you gotta, you gotta go up against the demonic, but you also have to go against the self jesus did not come and from heaven and die on a cross so that i could continue to live in the mud and the muck of sin that's not why he came come on he came to set me free he came to set you free come on sons and daughters of the most high priests and priestesses don't live in mud they live on thrones come on